1: Long weekend in the books. Good Tuesday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for being with us. This is Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. The C Spire text line, as you well know, is always open to you. At C Spire, they're not just saying they care. They're taking action to show it through COVID-19. And every day... From free wireless data for educational websites to connecting businesses with the tools to work from home, learn more at cspire.com slash cspirecares. So you had Saturday and Sunday, and most folks had yesterday off Memorial Day, as we remember the brave men and women who have chosen to serve. and. Also those who have given the ultimate sacrifice for our country as we get to do things like go to the pool and stand around by the grill and work on projects at home and maybe go to the lake, whatever it, uh, it is. Not that those are necessarily the freedoms that uh, people have fought for, but certainly uh, that's part of it as well. Thanks for being with us. And how was your weekend? Borky, what's up? Weekend
2: was good aside from the fact that I made a, a batch of the worst short ribs uh, imaginable. So I, <laughs> I, I had them on the smoker, and just the bottom fell out at some point yesterday afternoon and just, it ruined the whole cook, basically. I mean, brought my grill temp down, and I just screwed them up. They were terrible. Other than that, uh, really nice off weekend, and maybe not the highlight of everyone's weekend, but the match, and I'm sure we'll talk about it throughout the day today yeah production fantastic the the commentators funny all four golfers they were engaging like phil mickelson's chipping lesson that's just the kind of stuff that i wish you could see more of so as far as sports for the weekend that was phenomenal so
1: all in all pretty good hey Dad, i asked borky a second ago how was your weekend and you know what the first thing he
0: said was Bef- like, before we came on the air? Because, I mean, I literally yeah. just heard what he said. Okay.
1: No, no. right? Yeah, right before we came on the air, I was like, hey, man, how was your weekend? He said, not long enough. I was like, <laughs> you just got a three-day weekend. Come on, man.
0: Take a day off, Borky. You know, just, uh, just, just
1: do it. I, well,
2: I, I never take days off, man. I need to start. I'm waiting for after this is over because I feel like taking, like, a vacation right now would be poor form considering what we're trying to do uh, a sports show without any sports uh, so doing something like that's probably bad form but whenever this ends and sports come back i might be gone for like two weeks
0: i'm taking a day off on thursday so you know it no,
2: that's not a long vacation one day that's fine i'm talking like five
0: mm. well there you go so you're shutting do it
2: down it. for like a whole week yeah i think i might do that
1: okay good for you hey dad how was the weekend it was great do you I mean, you have any problems fun whatsoever? coming up on Thursday?
0: No, not at all. Quite the opposite. I'm getting a root canal, so I'm taking the day off. Why are you taking a day off for that? I don't think I want to talk after a major dental procedure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: exactly. Be like the the character on the other end of the phone on Peanuts.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, what did you do this good. weekend? I cooked uh, Saturday. Uh, yesterday, uh, we had to do the podcast, and I couldn't figure out a time to like make it work for me. So my, my wife and kids went to uh, out to uh, Lake Tiakata and just went out to the lake there, and I had the house to myself for the first time in two and a half months. So that was nice. It's yeah. quiet. it could have been a while. And then uh, did some burgers on the grill last night and for Memorial Day, and that was it. Beautiful,
1: beautiful. Okay. Rippy, you were a little bit of a road warrior over
3: Memorial Day weekend, weren't you? Yeah, I was in the booming metropolis of Texarkana, Texas, but I had a good weekend. Is that do, do the people of Texarkana, Texas look down on the people of Texarkana, Arkansas? It's like a big thing there. Is it? It's a big rivalry and they uh so they have Texas High School and Arkansas High School creatively named and then they have the Arkansas High Razorbacks and the Texas High Tigers that are burnt orange. Who'd have thought? Yeah. Wonder why they didn't go with Longhorns. I don't know. The Texas high school has an IPF, so they're very two very nice campuses. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure.
1: Uh, I'm sure. We did the, uh, on Friday night, so for several years, my wife has been trying to get me to get one of those yard movie screens, like backyard, front yard movie screens, and I finally just pulled the trigger on one. Like, she, a couple of weeks back, she was like, are you ever going to get one of those? I said, yes, right now, and, and pulled up uh, Amazon and ordered one, and boom. And so we did our first, uh, like, movie night in the front yard on Friday night. That was awesome. I, it's almost like my wife was right three years ago and two years ago and a year ago, all this time kind of leading up to that. And uh, so we, uh, we did that and uh, celebrated Francis's birthday on Saturday. She is now three, officially. And uh, got a bike that she can't pedal. So that's uh, that's good. I-, I assume that she's going to figure that out eventually. And then uh, a little time on the lake for the weekend as well. Um, Borky, here is a uh, completely meaningless poll question to get us started. You ready? Uh, I guess Would so, Would you yeah. prefer a three-day weekend that starts on Friday and you go back to work on Monday or a three-day weekend that... It starts on Saturday, and you don't go back to work on until Tuesday. Is there, a, is there a correct answer on that? Uh, Yes, the one that gives you Friday off. So you'd rather have Friday, Saturday, yeah. Sunday, and then not feel like you're a day off for the entire week, and then boom, you just don't have to go to work on Friday? Yeah, that would be much better to me.
3: Yeah, because you're going to have a figurative Monday no matter what, and when you go into Monday, like past Monday into Tuesday, you're just prolonging the Monday.
1: Yeah, I guess that's fair enough. And then it's pretty cool when you get to Thursday and you're like, wait, it's the last day of the week. So I guess kind of the Easter weekend is the one. Is there any other time where we get that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three-day weekend?
3: When 4th of July is a Friday? 4th of
0: July is a Saturday this year, so a lot of people will take that, like government jobs will. I don't know about us. Yeah, I think we get Friday off.
1: So that'll be great. That will be fantastic. Anyway, better three-day weekend. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Saturday, Sunday, Monday? That's uh, your opening poll question uh, this afternoon. So golf was a big deal this weekend. We'll, uh, we'll start there, and then I, we're going to have some fun in this first hour. Winners and losers coming up in the uh, 4 o'clock hour. D- did you guys see the story that D1 Baseball put out yesterday? How the 2020 field of 64 would have looked?
0: Saw it. Okay.
1: We will uh, we'll get to that coming up in uh, in just a little bit, Borky. I know you watched the uh, the golf on Sunday. I'm sure others did. Many of you did as well. In fact, 5.8 million people did, and it was the most watched golf telecast on cable in history. More people watched the match part two with Tiger and Phil with Tiger teamed up with Peyton Manning and Phil teamed up with uh, Tom Brady, then watched the final round of the PGA Championship last year, then watched the final round of the Open Championship last year. People were really, really into this, Borky. Yeah, they were. And and for
2: perspective, it also beat the average of the Michael Jordan documentary. The average live viewership. Now, they're on Netflix and stuff, and that changes things, but still, that just shows you... Uh, how immensely popular it was, and not even just because it's live sports. Like, NASCAR did a a massive number also recently. But golf is inherently kind of boring for the average sports fan, right? We can all agree there. I love it. The two of you, two of the three of you love it too. But average Mm -hmm. sports fan thinks golf is kind of boring. What they were able to do with those four guys and the – it was still a competition and, and tiger played really well phil played well so you had some high level golf but it was the interactiveness having them mic'd up having phil mickelson give you a chipping lesson hearing the back and forth that uh, that and then they didn't take themselves too seriously on the broadcast or anything else uh, justin thomas cussed a few times and they let it go and didn't they, they just had fun what? that was from whoever produced that in everybody involved in the broadcast and the players themselves that was fun watching average golf it was enjoyable
1: riffy i feel like everybody has kind of said that the modified alternate shot on the back nine was a better format for this a more entertaining format for this than
3: best ball especially given the way tom brady played yeah, I, to be completely honest, I was out of pocket, so I did not get to m- watch much of this. I got small bits and pieces through different platforms, but seemed pretty, pretty entertaining stuff. It seemed like for the first, what, first eight, nine holes, Brady had a day that we've all had that'll just put you in a terrible mood. So props to him for not getting more mad than he did. Yeah, the um,
1: you, you could kind of see that he was frustrated. And I don't know if it's fair to say that the stage was too big, but while he may be the greatest of all time in terms of uh, playing quarterback in the National Football League, he certainly is not the greatest of all time on the golf course. He's just a pretty okay golfer, uh, which probably was endearing to uh, to a lot of people. Uh, my favorite line so far that uh, I, I talked to a friend who watched every single second of it and he said, if Tom Brady is an eight handicap, then I am the ambassador to China. He's probably rusty. Which, <laughs> <laughs> Which clearly my friend is not. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll take a quick timeout out get going with you after this. Job in the city. Story yesterday at D1 Baseball started its Memorial Day, but if you're anything like us, you probably think of it as Selection Monday. Of course, there will be no NCAA Tournament Field of 64 Selection Show today, so we decided to do what we could to simulate the Selection process, or the selection experience. Season was canceled after just four weeks, so we'll never know really how it would have played out. So they are selecting, or they selected a field of 64 based on 16, 17, 18 games for teams all across the country. The number one overall seed in D1 Baseball's projected field of 64 was the Florida Gators. Florida hosting Stetson as the, I'm sorry, Coastal Carolina as the two, Stetson is the three, and Niagara as the four. And it was matched up with the Starkville Regional, hey dad, that would have had Mississippi State as the number 16 overall seed. So that means they would meet Florida the number one seed in, in a super regional. And in Starkville, Mississippi State would have been hosting Tulane, Charmant Soft Georgia Tech, and <laughs> Northwestern State.
0: I forgot that this of all the things this pandemic <laughs> robbed us of. It's another year of hearing you talk about Charman Soft Georgia Tech. I'm sad. I now.
1: know it's disappointing, but uh, that's what it would have been. That would have been a fun field in Starkville.
0: Yeah, it would have been Georgia Tech's second trip to Starkville. They were here in '97. Uh, okay. Tulane always a, a, a power program, so yeah, would have been good.
1: And if did you if, say we'll Northwestern State these. too, I did.
0: I'm trying to. Were they the ones who? Had that issue with state for the weather cancellation slash forfeit a few years back? I don't remember if that was them or not.
1: Mm.
3: I, I don't. Rem- I mean,
1: I vaguely remember what you're talking about, but I don't remember the details of it. So it may very well have been Northwestern State at at the time. Uh, so just kind of assuming that chalk holds, you would have had Florida hosting Mississippi State in a super regional in Gainesville in what would have been the final two or three games at McKeithen Stadium. Because Florida's going to be in a new ballpark uh, on the other side of campus next year. The number two overall seed was Louisville. They would have had kind of an entertaining regional. Louisville, Auburn, Indiana, and Hartford. So you had um, Indiana, who was competitive in the Texas regional uh, a couple of years back when Chris Lamonas was still their head coach. You would have had uh, a matchup to uh, start things off with Indiana against Auburn, and then Hartford was the, uh, the four seed there. It was paired up with the Fayetteville regional, Arkansas, Oklahoma State, Iowa, and Oral Roberts. So if Arkansas had won that regional, you would have had Arkansas going to Louisville, for a super regional. Oklahoma State is a, uh, it's a pretty good baseball team, and they were playing pretty good. That would have been a dangerous number two seed in Fayetteville. The number three overall seed was UCLA, who was bounced in a super regional last year. You remember UCLA had all kinds of drama in the postseason last year. They lost their first game of the regional in Los Angeles and then had to battle back through the loser's bracket, eventually won it, and then lost to Michigan, and so didn't get to go to the College World Series. That regional matched up with the Long Beach Regional down the road just a bit, that would have included Long Beach State, who Mississippi State saw early in the year, as the number one seed, Pepperdine, Southern Cal, and then Wright State making the long trip west to be the four seed. So UCLA, Long Beach State, for a potential Super Regional that would have not been the most attended Super Regional in the uh, in the country, to put it mildly. The number four overall seed, and feel free to jump in if any of these are, are fascinating to you beyond just the, uh, the teams. Texas Tech, Dallas Baptist, New Mexico State, and Navy in Lubbock, paired up with the Orlando Regional, which would have been hosted by UCF, Florida State is the 2 seed, Alabama as the 3 and Central Michigan as the 4. So Texas Tech likely would have been hosting a super regional with one of those teams and probably another trip to the College World Series for uh, the Red Raiders. And the job that Tim Tadlock has done there is just outstanding. These are two that would have been uh, would have been pretty good. Georgia is the number 5 national seed, hosting in Athens with Clemson as the 2, Georgia Southern as the 3, and Samford as the 4. Rippy, you saw Clemson at Oxford a year ago and uh, came away not very impressed with them.
3: Yeah, Ole Miss got a
1: favorable draw in that one with Illinois and Clemson. And then uh, the Athens Regional paired up with Raleigh where NC State would have been the number 12 overall seed. Who I'd have had some teams in this one. NC State, Michigan, Tennessee, and North Carolina a and And who knows how that one would have played out. Ole Miss gets the number 6 seed from D1 Baseball. Fun Regional in Oxford, Southern Miss as the 2, Baylor as the 3, and Alabama State as the 4 and that one was paired up with Norman, Oklahoma so Oklahoma hosting with Texas A&M and all that pitching is the number two Arizona as the three and Seton Hall as the four Um, the Miami regional Miami is the number seven overall seed LSU in Miami is a two Northeastern as a three and Pennsylvania as a four I mean, the LSU-Miami component there is pretty fascinating, but Northeastern and Penn as the other two, eh, not so much. And that was matched up with uh, the Durham Regional. Duke as the number 10 overall seed. East Carolina as the two. They got to a Super Regional last year after hosting in the first round. UNC-Wilmington as a three and Winthrop as the four. So potentially an all-ACC Super Regional there with uh, Miami and Duke. And this one was kind of sexy. Arizona State hosting in Phoenix as the number eight overall seed. Texas as the two. San Diego State as the three. And Rhode Island as the four. Matched up with the Nashville regional. How about this field? Vanderbilt as the number nine overall seed. TCU as the two in that regional. Virginia as the three. And then Belmont as the four. What stands out to you from uh, from
0: all of that?
3: No Big Ten hosts, right? Yeah, no Big Ten hosts.
0: Correct. Kind of down on Vanderbilt there,
3: but start the season later in the year that should fix that. <laughs> Fair
0: enough. Kind of down on Vanderbilt there. I mean, as the what the eight seed, I don't know about that. Um,
1: no, I had Vandy as the nine,
0: the nine. Yeah, definitely, I definitely. Definitely didn't see Van see Vandy having to play their way on the road through a super regional. Probably
3: um, just a product of their slowish sluggish start. Yeah, I mean I agree, but
0: and probably the same thing with Mississippi State being the sixteenth seed there. You know, that that Texas Southern loss looms really large, you know, at that at this point in the season when, when the season was ended. But at the same time, you know, if we're gonna really do this and do it all the way out, I mean it's it, safe to assume I think Vanderbilt would have easily been a top five team at the end of the season.
1: Based on just overall talent on the roster, yeah, the pitching they're just too talented. Or just history too talented. of success, or
0: a little bit Scott. of both. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Corbin's a great coach and knows what he's doing up there. But they just—they—they they have an incredible roster. I mean, they—they—they they weren't. I don't. I, I don't see them as being that far down the chain. Now,
3: where where was Arkansas and LSU? Did I miss that? You did. Arkansas
1: was hosting as the number fifteen overall seed, paired up with Louisville. And LSU was a two-seed in Miami. Oh, okay. So in terms of SEC teams hosting, you had Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, Georgia, Arkansas, Florida, and Mississippi State. So six SEC host sites with one, two, three national seats. I haven't counted the total number of SEC teams in the uh, in the field. One, two. So let's see. All all the SEC teams in the field: Vanderbilt as a host, LSU as a two seed, Texas A&M as a two seed, Ole Miss as a host, Georgia as a host, Tennessee as a three seed, Alabama as a three seed. Uh. Auburn is a two-seed, Arkansas hosting, Mississippi State hosting, and Florida hosting. So that's 11 SEC teams in the field with six hosts and three national seeds, or three top eight seeds, I guess is what they're called now.
0: Sounds like business as usual.
1: Sounds like it might have been a pretty good year for baseball in uh, in the Southeastern Conference. Oh, that could have been fun. We would be three days away from the start of regional play. Alas, we are not. Sports Talk Mississippi. C Spire text line open 601-879-4395. We'll be right back. Oh, C oh, text line open to you 601-879-4395 on this Tuesday afternoon, 26th of May. Richard Cross... Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. You, uh, you got some news from hockey today. The NHL's Gary Bettman had a press conference that started about eight minutes ago. Don't have all of the information yet, but the NHL is going straight into a 2014 postseason tournament in two hub cities you guys seen, at this point, them put any start dates out?
2: No. In his press conference, he mentioned they still have to work out some logistics from that point. This is the the revelation of the plan uh, of what they're going to do when they can do it, but haven't quite figured out when they can start yet.
1: All right. uh, Let's see. Gary Bettman confirms the NHL, if the season resumes, will go straight to the playoffs with 24 teams getting in. The 1920 regular season has been deemed completed. Training camps will not open before July 1st. The NHL is open to playing in the summer and, quote, into the early fall. Pittsburgh is one of ten cities that is in consideration to be one of the two hub cities for the uh, playoffs. Not sure what all the others are as well. Uh, Thirty-two teams in the NHL, by the way, so eight teams will not make the playoffs. <laughs> okay. Playoff hockey, guys.
3: that will be best fun, thing dude. out there. H- Hockey's kind of like this works for hockey, but probably wouldn't work for anything else. Because I don't mean to be like insulting to the sport. That's not what I'm trying to do here. But like, like the playoffs are gimmicky's the wrong word. The playoffs are crapshootish in some ways. So I feel like this 2014 will be entertaining as hell, and also won't probably devalue the product or, like, undermine the sport at all. Because, I mean, hell, you had an expansion franchise make the Stanley Cup Finals in its first year. Like, weird things happen in hockey. It's not really an insult. But, like, this wouldn't fly for the NBA at all. They might have to do it, though. Oh, I think the NBA's playing seven games all three rounds. Four rounds? Yeah, sorry, four. All four leading up. I think they might do a round-robin for the eighth seed in each conference to try to keep as many fan bases interested as possible and actually give teams on the outside looking in a fair shake. But once they get into the playoffs, they're playing seven-game series. Silver seems pretty adamant about oh, that.
2: I I, meant, I think they might just expand the playoffs in general it, 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 and do what hockey's doing, not to 24 teams or, or anything like that. But I think you might just not even see a round-robin. With them dragging the feet their feet the way that they are. I think you might just see 10 teams uh, from each conference, 11 teams, 12 teams, whatever it has to be, um, and start that way. Because all of their other propositions of you know cutting the season by 10 games, well, you're really going to get the Knicks to have a training camp to play eight games that they're wanting to lose on purpose? No, you're not going to do that. They're not going to play anybody. Um, Same thing for uh, New Orleans, Portland, and Sacramento. I mean, they've, got a reasonable shot at making the playoffs. Uh, New Orleans plays the Grizzlies three more times. I think Portland is supposed to play them a couple more times. They're only three games back. Uh, If they have the full schedule, real chance that they catch Memphis, who, like I've said before, has the hardest schedule in basketball. But if you're going to get just five more games or or seven more games left in the season, Dame Lillard said, I'm not playing. I'll sit on the bench with them, but I'm not – going through training camp to come back to play games that literally are meaningless for me and, and the rest of us. So I think that's why you're going to see an expanded playoff start right away for the NBA as well. It's the one that but, makes the most sense to get everybody on board.
3: But the I, I don't disagree, but that expanded playoffs would just be kind of a, a supplement for the regular season. Like oh, for I think sure. the best yeah. way to do it would be to, to to eliminate the bottom four teams from each conference, have 12 7 through 12 play for the 7 and 8 seeds cuz i think like you're not really in, like what's the actual reward if you're just playing for the 8 seed? Congrats you get to get smacked by the lakers or the bucks in four games and play four yeah. more games and pretty much waste your time. Like you got to have some more incentive, don't you? Like the for best sure. way to do it would be to eliminate the bottom 4 and then just have them play for the 7 and 8 seeds cuz then you involve like, you know, Luka Doncic and some other kind of high caliber players, Brooklyn, although they're probably not bringing Kevin Durant back and Orlando as opposed to you three battle it out for the eight seed for the right to get swept by somebody. Yeah. Uh,
2: what's crazy, and like, you can't win in any of these scenarios. Like, no matter what you do, like, somebody's going to be mad or you're going to slight somebody. But in that round-robin case, which it sounds like that's got some momentum as well, everything has momentum in the NBA. Like, they can't decide on anything. Um, mm-hmm. Dallas is closer to the 3 seed in games than they are... New Orleans, Portland, and Sacramento, who are, who would be battling for eight with Memphis. They are closer to the three than they are the eight. And so you're going to make Dallas do this play-in cycle with teams that they're seven games ahead of. That doesn't feel right either, but nobody's going to win no matter
1: what. I mean, somebody has to lose when you restart like this. And You know, the thing is, in the East, you've got a legitimate battle for the... Well, no, that's not true. In the East, you don't have much of a battle left, right? Orlando is five and a half games clear of the Wizards. They're seven games clear of the Hornets, eight clear of the Bulls. I mean, it's just a there's a gulf between the eight seed and the other teams that are within shouting distance. It's a different story, though, in the West, where you've got Memphis three and a half games in front of Portland, three and a half in front of New Orleans, three and a half in front of Sacramento. The Spurs are four back, and the Suns are only six back. So you've got five teams right after Memphis that with, what, roughly 20 games left in the regular season? Yeah, give or take.
3: 16, absolutely 17-ish. had a shot to get
1: there. Say what?
3: 16, 17-ish. Weren't they all around like 62, 63? I mean, whatever. If I remember
2: I... correctly, I don't have the, the schedule in front of me. I think New Orleans had 18 games left.
3: But the, not that you can base a playoff system off this, but kind of underscoring Richard's point, none of those teams in the East are frisky seven or eight seeds. Like, no offense, they suck. Like, But Memphis doesn't <laughs> suck, and neither does New Orleans. Like, that could actually make for compelling television if they got in against an eight or a, or, or a two or a one seed, whatever slot they got. Yeah. It's just it's kind of like, why are you doing this with the East? Because all these teams stink. I mean, look at their record.
1: The other thing that I would point out, though, is exactly what you just said. If you want me to feel sorry for you not making the playoffs when you are eight games below 500, or nine games below 500, or 13 games below 500, sorry, I'm not going to be necessarily a shoulder for you to cry on if uh, if that's the case. Um, but those could still be interesting and compelling. And we go back to where Borky was talking a second ago about Damian Lillard, an absolute star in the NBA with the Portland Trailblazers, and he says, "I'm not going through a training camp." And then playing in meaningless games, which is interesting because he says, I'll go to practice, I'll be with my team, I'll sit on the bench, but I'm not playing in meaningless games. Well, what's the point of going and practicing with your team and being with your team if you're not going to play in the games? I mean, why not just – or is he saying, I'm just going to go sit on the sideline at practice as well? Yeah. Like, I didn't really read his quotes that way. I, I mean, it sounded like he said he was going to go and – practice with the team and be there to be part of it and be supportive because he's a teammate, but he refused to play in games that were deemed meaningless. Well, they would have been meaningless. And I guess his point was if there was an abbreviated end to the regular season. If it was like, hey, we're going to come back and play five regular season games or seven regular season games, he says, I'm out for that. Now, if you were going to play the entire rest of the regular season and give them a legitimate chance to chase down a playoff spot, maybe he's in. And if there's some sort of tournament to play games in, like, like a, a tournament for that last spot or last couple of spots, he says, I'm in on that front. Does that make sense? I, I think it makes
2: perfect sense. I don't know how the idea that's floated out that they would cut the rest of the regular season to around five games, where teams would come back and play five games. I don't know how you get teams to agree to that. I mean, take – well, because it's most local and I have a rooting interest. New Orleans, for example. Uh, three and a half games back. But if you play five games, they're not catching Memphis. Do you really yeah. expect them to put Zion on the floor? Brandon Ingram, their all-star on the floor, to play five games after a 80-day break in a abbreviated training camp? No, they're not doing that. And I wouldn't expect the Knicks to put R.J. Barrett on the floor. And I wouldn't expect... Dame Limbler to play just because you're not going to risk injury on five games when you can't play the playoffs there's just no way you can ask anybody to do that so you'd just be wasting everyone's time so
1: you either have to finish the regular season or you gotta go straight to the playoffs yeah there can't be an in-between and they said what that they've pulled the general managers for the number of scrimmages that they thought necessary before they start playing again, and they gave them the options of two, three, four, and five in a scenario where they go straight to the playoffs. So we'll see how it shakes out. Sounds like they're going to play. Some people say that the NBA, but Borky included, just doesn't have their act together. I just wonder if they've got more of a plan in place than we realize and they're just trying to make people feel included. We'll see. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. A couple of Just kind of news and notes items, although some people would look at these as far more significant than just news and notes. Hey, Dad, uh, a positive for Mississippi State, uh, some long-awaited news here. Madison Hayes, the highly sought-after women's basketball player who was committed to Mississippi State under Vic Schaefer, and people were kind of waiting on pins and needles to see if she was going to request a release from her signed letter of intent or if she was going to stick with Mississippi State. She has decided to stick with Mississippi State. That is really good and big news for Mississippi State women's basketball.
0: Yeah. Uh, you look at that signing class. One of the players was from Texas, Deanya Gaston, and she immediately, almost immediately, flipped to Texas. Uh, Madison Hayes waited it out. It's been quite a long wait. I mean, I'm trying to think of exactly when. A couple of months. Uh, yeah, Schaefer left. It would have I guess, been right before all this went down. And, uh Really wanted to get to know Coach McCray-Penson and, and see if that, that was going to be the right fit for her. Or like she said, did I just like Mississippi State because I like the previous staff? Uh, she seems to have made her decision, and, and she will be in Starkville next fall. That team is, is loaded for bear. We'll see what, uh, what, what Coach McCray-Penson can do with it.
1: Yeah, so certainly a uh, big deal on that front. We talked about this some um, at the end of, uh, of last week, and uh, you know it continues to generate a lot of reaction in a lot of different arenas, Jerry and Jones has signed with Ole Miss, uh, the former Mississippi State player who was outspoken as a, uh, a Mississippi State player, especially as it pertains to Ole Miss in the time, uh, I guess leading up to when he got to Starkville and also in the time that he was on Mississippi State's team, is now officially transferring to Ole Miss. He entered the uh, transfer portal last Wednesday and, uh, is now um, committed to Ole Miss. And I guess the next thing that happens is, uh, will he be granted immediate eligibility, or will he be forced to sit out a year? And we'll just kind of have to wait and see on that front. And Fabian Lovett is the, uh, the other player that there are rumors out there that he's going to do the exact same thing, but at least from what I've been able to gather, that's not yet official.
3: Yeah, no, nope, but I was told either. last week that it's happening barring something incredibly unforeseen. Okay. Hmm.
0: Where do we go from here with this story? Does it just die? Straight or... to the message
3: board is where we go.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know if it'll just die, but I don't I don't really
3: see anything coming of it, to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't either. It'll bother people because like, you know, this whole rivalry makes people act like children. But aside from that, it'll just kind of be is what it is. Yeah, it, it's 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 only a big deal because it's State to
0: old Miss. And it would be the same thing if it was old Miss to State. But if he was transferring to Utah, nobody would say anything, even though in all likelihood Utah's coaches would have reached out to him before he was in the transfer portal.
3: When is the last time this happened in football? Can we get Sports Talk stats and info on that? Does anybody know?
0: Aren't I think you we kind of – Technically, sports talk, stats, and info? or I think it was the 70s. I think it was Bob Tyler's son. I could probably uh, do some digging. (laughs) Bob Tyler's son, Breck, transferred from State to Ole Miss after his dad was uh, let go at Mississippi State. So, How long ago was that? 78. Okay. Sounds right.
1: Certainly have seen it in other
3: sports. uh, As
1: recently as two years ago in women's basketball.
3: Yeah. But football... Football's is the main one where you get the blocking and the most resistance. If something like this were to happen, like but you can't do that at least anymore. Least common.
1: So. Yeah, that you're right. You can't keep a player from going to another school and having to be on their own in terms of paying for their own school for a year.
0: Um, right now, I think state up- can oppose. I think state can oppose the waiver to be eligible immediately. I don't know if they'll do that or not, though.
1: Well, and and whether they oppose it or not doesn't
0: mean that it will be approved. right. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's just like they can they can raise a, their hand about it, but it doesn't mean they're going to get called on. Yeah. Um. the The conversation about tampering
1: is one that a lot of people are, are focused on. It just feels like it's tampering is one of those things. And Borgia, I think you pointed this out last week. It's really, really difficult to prove tampering.
2: It's very hard. Uh, that's why you you don't really ever see anybody getting punished for it. It's just so hard to prove. All right, and incredibly common, but you know,
1: Rippy. Whether these, well, let's just stick with Jerry and Jones for now because it's the only one that's official. Whether he's eligible immediately or not, how big of an impact is he to an Ole Miss defense that was continuing to try to get better?
3: Definitely helps. I mean, it would certainly help with depth next year. I mean, you lose one corner, you've got a senior, and then you've got a uh, a younger guy and Keedron Smith coming back next year. So I think so. Uh, I think it helps a lot
1: winners and losers you can text us yours on the cspire text line 601-879-4395 you had an extra day for the weekend so what did you see this weekend that you liked what did you see this weekend that you did not like we will be right back sports talk mississippi on this tuesday quick trivia question just because i'm curious if any of you guys can do this if you can i'm impressed i'll give you a quarter Who's the current head football coach at USF? South Florida. Yes, University of
0: South Florida, the Bulls. It's Willie Taggart, right? No, he's a Florida Atlanta. Nope.
2: Uh, Uh, He's a former Clemson offensive coordinator. Yeah, Jeff Scott. Scott.
1: Okay, you had to group think it, so that doesn't count. (laughs) So cheap. I was looking for a name. (laughs) Sounds like we both light bulbed at the same time there. Yeah. Um, well, done. I I saw that USF had another player transfer out. They've had four that have entered the transfer portal. I was like, who's the coach there? Is it still – wasn't it Skip Holtz for a while? It was Skip Holtz who got fired?
0: No. Charlie Strong. Well, Skip Holtz was there for one time, wasn't he? But Charlie Strong was their last coach. <laughs> yeah. Eh.
1: Whoever it was, I couldn't come up with the name, and I was like, I had to Google that. So, Skip Holtz yeah. was there eight years ago. Yeah, well – <laughs> so I guess since Skip Holtz it has been Taggart,
0: Taggart and, and Charlie Strong. Strong yeah
1: and then or and now Jeff Scott okay um Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm Richard Cross Michael Borky Brian Haydad and Brian Scott Rippy. we'll get into this story more in, uh, in a little while because we've got winners and losers coming up but I will let you know that this is out there um uh, Jeff Passon from ESPN tweeting, Major League Baseball proposed cuts to the highest paid players in baseball in its first economic proposal to the players on Tuesday. Players in turn bristled at the proposal. There is a significant gap between what the league offered and what the players want. He says it's worth noting it's the first day of this extremely important week, and this is the first proposal from the league That said, there's disappointment from players, and to get anything close to what they want to play, MLB is going to have to move significantly off its proposal. The proposed pay cuts, according to a source of knowledge of them, would affect all players. While the highest paid would get the most significant reduction in salary, the possibility of all players having to take a reduction is part of the league's proposal. So this is kind of the opening salvo from the owners to the players. they got to figure out the economic ramifications of returning to play this year if they are indeed going to do that. I think the quotes from Tom Glavin last week were interesting. And he basically said, regardless of who is at fault, you guys better figure out a way to get this done or the players will be the ones that have to wear the label of they were all greedy and they couldn't play. He said it's what we had to do, you know. The 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 strike in 1994 was terrible for the baseball's reputation and particularly for the reputation of the players. We didn't get a World Series that year. Braves fans don't have to be reminded of that. Neither do Expos fans. But you didn't get a World Series. And I bet you can name more players from 1994 than you can owners. So we'll see where that goes. I thought that was fascinating perspective from uh, Tom Glavin, who was a, uh, he was a Players Association representative at the time. C Spire text line is open, 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395. Experiencing fever, cough, sore throat, or shortness of breath, C Spire and UMMC are partnering to offer free COVID 19 screening through the C Spire Health app for all Mississippians experiencing symptoms. You can learn more at cspirehealth.com. Time right now for winners and losers. All I, all I, all I, all I do is win,
2: win, win, no matter what.
1: We got winners we got losers americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser winner never, win. And a winner
3: never win.
1: i don't know who you give the winner award to for the match part two uh, i mean i guess to a certain degree it's got to be the four guys that participated tiger and phil and peyton and and tom brady but I think Brian Anderson, the play-by-play announcer, who kind of played traffic cop, deserves probably a uh, a little bit of a star in his crown. Justin Thomas was funny and interesting and really good as an on-course commentator. Charles Barkley was typical Charles Barkley. Uh, The players being mic'd up was good. There was just... uh, Oh, and by the way, they raised $20 million for charity, which is pretty remarkable. There was a lot of good to go around. And, Borky, you, you watched... If not all of it, darn close to all of it, and you had tons of glowing things to say about it. Yeah, it was pretty remarkable, um, especially having the guys mic'd up.
2: And I know you probably can't do that to that degree on the PGA Tour. I mean, the, Tom Brady and Charles Barkley were going back and forth like while Brady was in his pre-shot routine. I mean, you're not going to be able to do that on the PGA Tour, but I think – I mean, Charles went on the Dan Patrick show this morning – And I agree with everything he said about this showed why the PGA Tour, especially when fans aren't around, need to get some players to agree to mic themselves up. And there were some responses of people connected to golf that said you'd be surprised the number of players that would be okay with that as long as you had a producer with a dump button nearby. That element, I think... If you can just hear them talking about the shot process, I think the coolest part about the whole thing was Phil Mickelson giving you a chipping lesson. Now, he's not going to do that on Master Sunday, but hearing him and his caddy go back and forth on, hey, you need to land the ball here, should we hit a high six or a knockdown four, that kind of conversation that we don't get enough of would really enhance golf broadcasts to make them a little less boring. You had six million people watch that uh, most of, of whom are not, like, diehard golf fans. Maybe that's probably a stretch, but that number was so big because casual sports fans were watching, and the reviews were exclusively good. So give them more of that. Let us, let us hear the players some. Mic them up. I, I want to hear that. It, it was a big win all around, though.
1: What player would be at the front of the line in terms of volunteering to wear a microphone? It's your boy, isn't it? So the entire world can understand just how smart and how deep a thinker he is? Oh, he's beefed up now, too. Probably not. The
3: box would throw off all his physics.
1: So you think Bryson DeChambeau would not be... What if it was like an ankle bracelet?
3: Well, that would make one of his legs heavier than the other. Yes, fair enough. (laughs) All right,
1: give me your winners from the weekend. Uh, Hey, Dad, lead us off.
0: Uh, I don't know if we counted from the weekend. It was from today. Uh, but Bayern okay. Munich uh, take a 1-0 win over uh, Borussia Dortmund, which will all but seal up their eighth straight uh, Bundesliga title. They're now seven points Borussia. clear. Borussia. Borussia Dortmund. Uh, now seven points clear at the top. Uh, they were. I think they're the best team in, in world soccer right now. Uh, they were they were brutalizing Chelsea in the Champions League. Uh, Chelsea wasn't didn't even like they belonged on the field with them. They just have stars at every position, uh, and including the best striker in the world in Robert Lewandowski. Uh, so a one nil win for them puts them on top of the uh, the Bundesliga, and they'll probably stay there the rest of the way.
1: They're the ones that have got the uh, coolest stadium, I think, in the world.
0: Yeah, it's really it is it is pretty cool. Yeah,
3: had they only left the Arena. League, Didn't it just start?
0: It started back up. It was a continuation rippy.
3: <laughs> oh, okay.
1: They've got uh, they got the stadium that is entirely constructed of transparent kind of for lack of a better way to describe it, plastic panels that yeah. have like roughly 80 million LED lights behind them and they can make the stadium any color that they want it to be. It can be a rainbow deal. It can be striped like the German flag. It can be red. It can be blue. It can be, you know, red, white, and whatever you want it to be. Uh, If you've never seen a picture of that stadium, Google it. Allianz Arena. Very, very cool.
0: Yeah.
1: And and, and more evidence that uh, soccer stadia around the world, way cooler than American college football stadiums. Really, just American stadiums. Period. You, you got a little bit of catching up happening with uh, SoFi in Southern California and with the uh, the Raiders' uh, new stadium in Vegas. They're a little cooler looking, but uh, European soccer stadiums, legit. Rippy, give me a winner. We got uh, less than a minute.
3: I was gonna go with the MLB thing and just put uh, put the MLB in purgatory. That'll be decided as they're a winner or a loser, because uh, important week up coming for them. But now you're already getting uh, developments out about what's happening today, which is not great news. But I still think something ends up getting done. So I was gonna stick them in the middle, change up the whole segment.
1: So neither a winner nor a loser. We'll get but Borky's soon to be winner. one or the other. Yeah, we we'll get Borky's winner when we come back. We'll get some losers when we come back, and we will get to yours as well. Text them to us, C Spire, text line 601-879-4395. We'll be right back. Man,
2: man,
1: girl, oh, Continuing winners and losers from the weekend. 601-879-4395. That's the C Spire text line where you can text us your winners and your losers. Borky, need a winner from you. The Athletic. Uh, so, okay. Uh, the
2: Commissioner of Major League Soccer, Don Garber, sent uh, a league-wide memo uh, to club personnel that states disciplinary action, including a fine of up to a million dollars, if they leak information specifically to The Athletic. We learned about that memo because The Athletic was leaked, that memo about not leaking information to The Athletic. So really good journalism flex by them.
1: Why why are they so mad at The Athletic? Because they've got really good reporters? (laughs) Apparently so. The thing is, if you want to stop leaking information,
2: don't, you know, send a league-wide memo threatening action, like send a bunch of people different memos, and then when that information gets leaked, you know where it came from.
1: Change like two words in each one so that you can uh, kind of watermark them?
2: A plausible detail that is different in each memo, and so when you send it to your various teams and the one information leaks out to the athletic, you know who sent it to them. Hmm. Can run a sports losers. league, but not smart enough to do that, I guess.
1: We'll start with the loser on the uh, C Spire text line. Loser, president of the University of Michigan, on his thoughts about the college football season. He said very clearly, "If all of our students are not back on campus, the University of Michigan will not participate in college football this year." To which the very first reply that I saw on Twitter was, "Well, that's one way to not lose to Ohio State." <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey kind of probably saw that one coming. Probably. How much does that tone change when everybody else is going to move forward and their campus is operational and open but not fully 100% open and season's upcoming? How much does that change?
3: Feels like that's really easy
2: to say right now on May 26th, but – The University of Michigan is a huge place, and Ann Arbor is a very nice and not small town. However, that is still 150000 or so, probably a lot more than that, if we're being honest. People that go to your town eight times a year, that's real money that you're going to cost people and your university. Are you sure you're not going to do that when everybody else is?
1: Yeah, I don't know. pretty significant hole to dig yourself out of, though, if you are the president of the University of Michigan. I mean, it, you, you you left very little gray area there. Um, very little gray area. Hey, Dad, give me a loser.
0: There's not a whole lot going on in the world today to, to find a loser for. Um. For me, and I'll be honest. Okay, I'll give you one. Maybe it's not really a loser, but I missed the last dance last night. So maybe we're all losers for not having something else to go behind that. I don't know. The Lance Armstrong documentary didn't uh, do it for you. Didn't you watch mean Sunday that night. night? Sunday, yeah, yeah. See, that's these long weekends. Yes, Sunday. There night. you go. Okay.
1: Riffy, you got a loser. Lance Armstrong. Not afraid to throw people under the bus.
3: I actually have not seen that yet, but just in general, I mean, like, I get like cycling's a sport where, like, if you weren't doping, you didn't really have a chance. But you can't really go scorched earth and start calling people out for accusing you of doping when you're actually doping, no matter how mainstream it is in the sport. So, looking forward to watching that. I don't know if it will change my opinion.
1: Borinke, you got a loser. MSNBC. So they did. Uh...
2: I retweeted it if you want to see it. Uh, this guy, is one of the reporters is in Wisconsin doing a stand-up uh, live with an anchor in studio. He's got a mask on, and the anchor asks him, are the people there just not worried about it? Are they not worried about their personal safety? The reporter replies, I haven't met anybody who is. You can see here nobody's wearing masks, and he turns his cameraman to a guy in a Packers jersey. The guy replies, including your cameraman. The camera guy doesn't have a mask on during a report about how all these idiots in Wisconsin aren't wearing masks.
1: There are many people that are still fired up about wearing masks. <laughs> there are some, there are absolutely some that are like, won't talk to you, won't look at you, won't come within, never mind six feet, won't come within 20, 30, 40 feet of you if you don't have a mask on. But even the people who were ardently in favor of masks in the early going eh, they're slipping a little bit They're slipping I went in one um, establishment yesterday I'd been standing inside for about two minutes waiting in line and I said Ah, jeez, I forgot my mask to which uh, the person replied Don't worry about it, you're good Okay, thanks Appreciate that. I would oh, not begin to wrap yourself. that person Congrats. or that establishment no out
3: at this point. Say what? You just narked on yourself. Hope nobody hears this.
1: What? That I forgot you... to wear a mask? Yeah. I don't think I can be arrested uh, after the fact for that, can I?
0: Citizens arrest. Guess we're going to find out.
1: Uh, Strider says... Governor Tater told Mississippians to please not listen to the idiots from Michigan in his address today. Give him, Put him on the winner's
0: list for that. Did he say idiots?
1: Uh,
2: did you see where the, the governor of Michigan had her husband try to fast track their boat getting in the water for Memorial Day weekend by saying, I'm the husband of the governor. Will that help? Stay at home. Stay at home. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. Stay at home. Oh, by the way, can you get my boat in the water real quick? We're trying to have a fun weekend. Hmm. The the company, by the way, because he said that, made sure they did not get their boat out of storage into the water. Does Oops. Brady
3: count as a loser because he had a rough couple eight holes, had people questioning his eight handicap, and then ripped his pants. That seems like a tough day on the links. Plus, it was raining. Like I just, I don't, I would have gotten mad and thrown my clubs in the lake,
1: and and wore pants that were apparently not. Uh, the same brand as the company that pays him millions and millions of dollars every year and tweeted after the fact next time guess I'll be sure to wear my Under Armour golf pants
3: nice save yeah yeah.
1: by the way I don't think Strider was being disrespectful when he said Governor Tater I think he was giving him legitimate props there Um, Jay from Mantees says winners every soldier who gave their life for our freedoms well said Jay Ed in Brookhaven says John Daly mic'd up would be a winner.
0: Yeah, only if he continues to wear the mic at the Hooters.
1: Let me ask you this: if uh, if golf were to go down the road of uh, you know micing players up, would you do separate feeds? You know ESPN for the uh, the Last Dance, they put the unedited version on ESPN and the edited version yeah. on ESPN two, with you know viewer discretion advised. Could could you do separate telecast
0: where you could have censored and uncensored? That'd be a huge boost for the CBS Sports Network come uh, Masters time.
1: Hey, by the way, how did how did ESPN get clearance on that? How is it you get to say, oh, yeah, we're just going to tell you in advance that this has got bad language in it, so it's not an FCC
3: issue? Or I think they, that's
1: it. It's subscription-based, right? They're not...
3: That's true. They're on cable. You can get on the FCC's good side, I hear. That's probably that, too.
2: But that's something to do with it, right? But, you would know more than me, but isn't it because it's it It's cable and you have to technically be a subscriber to get ESPN, therefore they, they aren't... Um, they don't have to follow the
1: rules and regulations. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. I don't feel like on regular ESPN, you can just beepity beep, beep 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 your way down the street on a daily basis. Like you can on HBO or Cinemax or Showtime or Stars or whatnot. I
3: mean, I anything don't know other, the other answer than your generic it. basic cable, wouldn't that be the case with every channel? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard
0: I've heard f words on uh on AMC.
2: I mean the things that Law and Order SVU says sometimes is probably. (laughs) I mean Dave, I I watched a, don't watch it around the kids. Um, it's a show about a white rapper, and that was on FX, and there were things that were done and said on that show that, you know, you would think would have been flagged, but I watched it on my TV.
1: Mike in Madison says he wants Tommy Armour III mic'd up. He is the true party king of the PGA Tour.
2: According to the Chicago Tribune, the FCC has no jurisdiction over basic cable content, only
1: broadcast television
2: and radio.
3: Hmm.
1: Well, there you go. So you guys got it right because ESPN is a subscription based channel, a pay channel. I suppose they can uh, do what they want to. Winner. Wait, is this actually happening? Somebody says Ford for bringing back the Ford Bronco. It's been rumored for years. Is it actually happening? I'd put him in the winner category for that. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Back with you on Sports Talk. Streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydan, and Brian Scott Rippey, thanks for being with us on this Tuesday. And yeah, don't forget the ceasefire text line is open to you 601 879 4395. Jeff, thank you for your message. And we are sorry for your loss. He says, I'm glad to have you guys to listen to right now. I lost my grandmother at 1.15 this afternoon, so you guys are helping me keep my mind clear. We um, we appreciate you being a loyal listener, and we are very, very sorry for uh, for your loss with your grandmother. So hang in there. Stick with us, man. We, uh, we're not going anywhere, and uh, glad that uh, we could be here just to kind of help be a little bit of a diversion for you. Guys, gotta ask you about this. Would a fundamental change to the rules of the NFL, if I just said that without giving you any details, would you be like, "Yeah, okay"? I I don't think of sanctity of the game with football the way I do major league baseball or golf or whatever else. Yeah, I'm okay with a uh, a significant change. That could potentially out uh, change the outcome of ball games. Surface level, okay with that or not so much? No, I mean, not change. so much.
0: It's not a big deal to me. Rules rules change all the time. Man, I, mean, I want to know yeah. where it is. I guess, but at the same time, you know, for the most part, it's not going to be an issue.
2: Wait, I need to revise. I don't think I answered it I correctly. I am very much p- against uh, a major rule change in the NFL. Um, I
3: no, think they should, they should the review PI. I don't care if they change rules.
1: Okay. Heydad is okay with a major rules change at the surface level, although he'd like to know what we're talking about. Borky says not okay with a major rules change. And Rippey says we should review pass interference and completely didn't answer the question. No, I I said I don't
3: care about rule changes. I'm cool with it. Okay.
1: The NFL is considering adding a 4th and 15 option for onside kicks. Uh, sporting News had the story. Tom Pellicero of the NFL Network reports that the league's 32 teams were forwarded a list of potential rules changes that includes a radical proposal for teams to retain possession after scoring. As opposed to the traditional onside kick that is currently in place, you could choose to take a shot at converting a first down from your own 25-yard line And it would be fourth down with 15 yards to go. So you would have to reach or surpass the 40-yard line. That's it. 15 yards on one play. If you convert, you retain possession and start the drive from there. If you do not convert it, you turn the ball over to the other
0: team.
3: I like it. I think it should be longer. I think into the modern NFL, that would be particularly with the rules geared – so much in favor of the offense and how hard it is to defend, I think it should have to be longer than 15 because you see those conversions not all the time, but a lot more common than they were maybe 10, 15 years ago. Why not 4th and 20, or dare I say it, 4th and 25? Something that really makes it (laughs) difficult because before they changed the rule, recovering an onside kick was still incredibly difficult. I think you should make it more difficult than a 4th and 15, but I like the idea. I just think that... That makes it. I mean, can you imagine Patrick Mahomes if they're down like three scores with six or seven minutes left, him just record, him picking up back and back to back fourth and fifteens with Tyreek Hill, and they just steal the game? Like, I think it should be a little more difficult than that. Twenty twenty five, I'm cool with. Fifteen seems a little too short, but I don't have a huge problem with it.
0: Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot, actually. I mean, man, wouldn't it? It make always feels. Except- by, yeah, by it the feels way, like the onside kick is such dumb luck. I mean, there, there's, there's obviously some skill in what the kickers have to do, but the actual recovery of it is just—you you, really—it's just feels like more of a coin flip than anything. This is a football play deciding game. I don't have a problem with this. I like it actually.
1: And by the way, you're only allowed two of these per
0: game. Okay.
1: So there's okay. a maximum of two per game that you can uh, can attempt. But here's the other thing about it. You you attempt 4th and 15 from your own 25. And let's say it's a calculated risk. Like, let's say you're down, what, 8? With minute 45 to play and you still have all three of your timeouts or 2.05 to play and you've got two of your timeouts plus the two minute warning this becomes very much calculated risk because you could still kick it away try to get three stops and get the ball back with reasonably good field position or you can say okay we'll, we'll take the 4th and 15 onside play and if you don't convert zero chance of winning like you kick it away in that scenario, you've still got a chance if you go make some plays on defense and manage the clock properly to get the ball back with time to make something happen. You're down eight with two oh five to play. You go for the onside play, fourth and fifteen from your own twenty five. Say you throw an incomplete pass, the other team's got the ball at the twenty five yard, your twenty five yard line. Ball game's over.
0: My other question is all right. You only get three again, two a game? So then yes. what happens after two? You're just screwed? Yeah, you can't go for an
1: onside kick anymore.
0: Can eh, you know try an I like onside that. kick? That's what I'm asking. Can you try an onside kick at that point? Borky? The presumption would be yes
1: because
2: you have to establish that you are not kicking the football before you, run, you know, run your offense out there. So yeah, I mean, you can kick it however you want. I mean, who's to say a kicker is not going to slip and you know, knock the ball fifteen yards ahead, Slip. so they they can't.
0: The qu- fingers.
2: They couldn't legislate an onside kick out of the game. You, you couldn't do that. So yeah, that. I,
0: Unless they say like a kick has to travel forty yards for it to be considered a legal kick, otherwise it's a five yard penalty and you do it again.
3: The uh, but this would bring more strategy late in games, right? Because like the NFL, with so many games coming down in the last three or four minutes, if you're down fourteen or ten or whatever at home, you score a touchdown. With like three and a half minutes left, and like the crowd's going, and you have the other team on their heels, do you go for the fifteen yard play or do you trust your defense to not let them get a first down? That would be the most fascinating part about this to me—the strategy of what coaches decide to do and when to use it.
2: Where's the like the motivation behind making this kind of change though? Because as Rip you mentioned, I mean, you watch red zone. And there's eight games on, and six of them are coming down to the wire. Is there some kind of like boredom problem with the end of football games that just I, I'm not aware of? I can't quite figure out the incentive for going gimmicky. This kind it's of thing
0: was cool because the onside the a- kick
3: stinks now. It's not. It's 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 a safety issue. I but think you, it's to you, fix the crappy onside kick. Like onside kicks used to be kind of awesome. Now they now they suck. I think it's just simply to fix that. Is the way I read it. Like it's impossible and, to recover one now.
2: That's fine. I, I I just don't know why you shouldn't be punished for losing late in the ball game. I mean, giving Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey in, in that offense the ball with 15 yards to go is a lot easier, to your point, to convert – than an onside kick. So if you're losing by two scores late in the game, you shouldn't have been losing by two scores late in the game. You're rewarding an offense an opportunity to get out of a a situation their team created. I I just – I don't understand. I love it. it.
3: Fair enough. uh, To each their own.
2: I just – the NFL in the product that it has right now is very close to perfect. They get – more ratings, more viewership. The games are, are close and exciting. There, there's real parody. Every Sunday, you've got multiple close games that come down to a field goal or a final play or one score every single week. You've got drama. You've got storylines. You've got parody. You've got everything going for them. Why adopt something that the Alliance of American Football created? It, I I can't figure out, it. maybe it's just a safety. If it's a safety thing, then, then there's the answer exclusively. But if it's a create more opportunities late in games for, for offenses, they shouldn't have been down late in a game. Like, the three-point line changed basketball, but it didn't give somebody an opportunity late in the game. Like, that'd be like, hey, with two minutes left, the three actually counts for three and a half, or something stupid like that.
3: I wonder if they looked at the percentages of uh, converting a third or fourth and 15 and the percentages of what getting an onside kick used to be before the rule changes. I wonder if they're similar at all, without looking it up.
1: What if you had a four-point shot in basketball in the fourth quarter? Yeah, I would hate that. I, I would hate that. I mean, why, why change
2: the way the game is played during the game? Now, if you added a four-point line from first to fourth, sure. then sure. But if it's last if two minutes the, or whatever?
1: Raise the rim to 11 feet for the last five yeah. minutes of the game.
2: Yeah, I don't want that. I, I just, I love the the product the NFL has on the field, and adding a gimmick is just something I, I don't think they
3: need to do. But I like the, did you not like the old possibility of the onside kick?
2: Yeah, it was more likely to happen.
3: Which it made more entertaining. Now it just kind of stinks. I like having the possibility. Sports Talk, Mississippi, streaming at
1: supertalk.fm. to think about the whole onside deal if you were to go the 4th and 15 from your own 25 route. What if a team decided to use those two options early in the game? Like, not when it was a, you're down and you're desperate, but let's just say you've got a, a coach that is engaged in, you know, analytics and the numbers point to it making sense, and you got a quarterback that is red hot, and a receiver that is a mismatch, and an injured defensive back on the other side. Uh, uh, let's say you're up—I um, don't know—seventeen to seven, with a couple of minutes left in the second quarter, and you'd like to step on your opponent's throat before uh, before halftime. And instead of giving them the ball back and seeing if they can put together a drive, you say, we're going to roll the dice. Even if we give up a touchdown, we're going to carry a lead into the locker room. But if we can exploit a specific mismatch that we think we can exploit, we can get the ball back and we can take a 24-7 to lead or at worst a 20-7 to lead into the locker room at halftime.
0: It's a new
3: version of ambush. Then you can just say his name, Sean Payton, but... Yeah, it John seems Payton to me the twenty-five coach. yard who line. Who would be the field- guy who do that? I mean, if you're up ten, it still seems to me the field position would be too much to give up, particularly if you have all the momentum. But I like the idea. I think I would hope some coaches would flirt with that. But I don't even really think—is it really that gimmicky? Like I just think it's gimmicky because we're used to the onside kick. Because if yeah. you asked an alien who had never seen a football game before, what is a more normal method within the flow of a game of getting the ball back, having an offensive line, a defensive line, and running a play? Or having this guy half the size of a normal football player kick the potato-looking thing to try to bounce it up in the air and grab it 10 yards down the field? Which one would seem more gimmicky if you had no idea what football was? It's reasonable.
1: Borky, how about this from Robert and He says, Say a team scored a touchdown and chooses the 4th and 15. On the play, the defense is called for a 10-yard penalty. Game cannot end on a defensive penalty. Is it now first
0: down? Yes. See, you got to 15 so
1: yards, I, but on a defense. Why wouldn't you penalty, just replay
0: it and it's fourth and five?
1: What if it's an automatic first down penalty?
3: Well, if it's an automatic first down penalty, then it's a first down. No, you'd have to make some exception for this. You couldn't give the other team a ball back for a defensive hold.
1: How about you? Don't I disagree. Hold? I think are, I think are, you would have.
3: You're holding. I think you would to have to do that. You can't say it's converting. can't say it's, it's not a calls, hold on this play. And it all favors the offense? I don't think that's completely fair.
2: Well, that's why you just keep it how it is.
1: To avoid something like that. that Mike DeCoursey at the Sporting News agrees with you. Here's what he wrote about it. For more than half a century, the NBA has operated with the most ridiculous rule in all of sport, one that annihilates the logic of its competition at the most crucial juncture of a game. By the way, this is Mike DeCoursey's soapbox. And now here comes the NFL with a proposal that is even dumber and less rational than the advance-the-ball-timeout rule. The rule he's talking about in the NBA is if you take a timeout, you advance the ball to half court to inbound. And he says this takes all strategy out of the game. I couldn't disagree more. I think if yeah, you got a timeout left, I wish in a college game we could see the ball inbounded at half court instead of having to go
3: 94 feet. Just that is, how does that take strategy out of basketball?
1: Dude, that is his thing. That is the hill that Mike DeCourcy will – Without question, Dion. I get what he's saying, though, because if there's
2: .7 left on the clock and you're up by two and the opponent's got the ball on their own baseline, that's usually not enough time to get the ball up the court to get a shot off. But instead, because they have one extra timeout, they get to not use any of that very precious amount of time to get the ball at half court to where all they have to do is catch and shoot for a clean look. You can't do that from the baseline.
3: You tell How me is which that, one's that more, different, more though, from football? The clock stopping out of bounds at certain points in the game, late in games, but not just during the middle of the first quarter.
2: Yeah, that's dumb. And also fumbling through the end zone, giving the ball to your opponent when they don't recover it, is also stupid.
3: That, that's that's I don't, the dumb one. I don't, like I don't mind this. I would describe an onside kick in general like as gimmicky, but I don't know. And it, I just it, wanted to make it harder.
2: The likelihood of this happening would be very small anyway. It would. But, like, the one of the most fundamental rules of football from its inception is when you score, you kick the ball to your opponent. That is how the game has been played from day one. When you score, you kick the ball to your opponent. In basketball, when you score, the opponent gets the ball. In baseball, when there's three outs, your opponent gets to hit now. This is... Ending the, if you score, you have to kick the ball to your opponent thing. It, it ends that. And that is just a fundamental element of the game from day one. And, yeah, the aliens would probably think it's weird, but somebody sat down and wrote these rules a long time ago, and it's been that way ever since.
1: Mike, of course, he calls it a cheap stunt to try to make games more exciting as he outlines why he hates moving the ball up to... Half court in basketball. but Why is more exciting a cheap stunt? It's Bet sports. This
3: guy hates clouds too.
1: It's sports. It's not real. I mean, it's real, but not like wrestling. Not real, but it's not what? life or death. It's sports. We're it's going for excitement. It's entertainment. Folks Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, thanks for being with us on this Tuesday, the day after Memorial Day, the 26th of May. If you would like to be a part of the conversation, you can do so on the C Spire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Uh, At C Spire, they're not just saying they care, they're taking action to show it through COVID-19 and every day. Now, more than ever, Mississippi needs to stay connected. And C Spire is working to make that happen, from offering free wireless data for educational websites to connecting businesses with the tools to work from home. They're even partnering with UMMC to turn the C Spire Health app into a free virtual triage center for anyone experiencing symptoms related to COVID-19. Learn more at cspire.com slash cspirecares. It is time right now for the College Football Fix. is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. When America needed Ford to build it, they built it. Masked ventilator shields when local communities and frontliners needed support, Ford dealers answered. Now Ford is open and ready to serve you with special offers and deals across the entire lineup. Stop by your local Mississippi Ford dealership or go online to buy FordNow.com. They've made it safer and easier to shop and buy. Built for America, built for Ford Proud. All right, Borky, today for the college football fix, you bring us uh, this story that we're going to have to wait a little while longer to know when the games that we want to watch are going to kick off.
2: Pretty much, yeah. As expected, as well, with these television networks uh, in a joint statement by basically everybody involved, every TV network and every conference that has a TV deal, um, they announced that they're going to push the start – the announcement date uh, to an indefinite time as they wait to see what college football is going to look like in part of coronavirus. We usually would have learned about, I think, the first three weeks and then some marquee games next week – I think June 1st was the expected announcement date uh, for those oh, the games deadline. or the deadline anyway so they could have announced before then but uh, that has been pushed back indefinitely. So we won't know when the games are going to kick off. We just hope that they're you know hope that they're going to.
1: Yeah. So joint statement from CBS, ESPN, Fox Sports and affiliated networks, the times will not be released on or before June 1st as was expected. Statement said, collectively, the conferences and television networks have agreed to an extension for determining college football's early season game times beyond the standard June 1 deadline. These kickoff times and network designations will be announced at a later date as we all continue to prepare for the college football season. And this may be a year where more people are watching college football on television than ever before. Man, based on the, the recent trends,
2: that that's why non sequitur here, that's why it's so important for baseball to, to get their you-know-what together and, and find a way to get a deal done because if they do, the, the benefits that will come from that from just an overall viewership and interest standpoint will be massive. And if they don't, it might be detrimental forever. But from a college football perspective, uh, it's always strong and it's always been strong, but now more than ever when – we start counting down to the actual season, and if they get to start games on time, the interest level will be greater than it's probably ever been uh, for college and even professional football.
1: You remember a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks back, Lincoln Riley blasting the idea of an early return to campus. His quote was, "All the talk about these schools wanting to bring players back on June one is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. We got to be patient. We got to have. We have one good shot at it." It would be completely irresponsible to bring these guys in too early. We need to bring these guys in as late as we can. Every day they come in could be a day uh, we could have gotten better, learned more about the virus, the PPE gets better, a day closer to a vaccine, the testing capabilities get better. It's just not worth it. Oklahoma announced today that it will not be allowing football players to come back on campus for workouts until July 1st. Well, that's what everybody else is coming back
2: June 8th. Oh. Say what? So they're going to be a month
1: behind.
3: Yep. Three weeks. Three weeks anyway. Which I only say that because him being kind of outraged about it seems silly now that he's waiting 21 additional days.
2: Oh, but he got good headlines for a day.
3: The name of the the game.
2: Speaking of good headlines, the Pac-12 just released and announced that they are going to allow... Uh, their member institutions to conduct voluntary workouts on June 15th.
3: Does that, because the the announcement said, like, as long as they're abiding by their state guidelines, does that actually mean that much? Because they're kind of sunk, excuse me, if the California schools are still, like, being held hostage? Well, Well, California's loosened things up, though, haven't they?
2: They have. uh, They've made sure that, at least the professional teams, they didn't specifically mention college, but that's kind of how the state works, right? Nobody really cares about college sports there. Pro (laughs) sports franchises have been given the go-ahead to start practicing and opening their facilities and whatnot, so...
1: So Oklahoma will open its facilities a full one month after the stated date that the NCAA said it was okay to do it. The SEC will have its players coming back or start coming back onto campus June 8th. So will Ohio State and Illinois in the Big Ten. So will Clemson and Louisville in the ACC. Um, I don't know how much of a difference it's going to make one way or another, but... If you're an Oklahoma fan, are you frustrated by this? I'd
2: be more frustrated if I was a business owner in Norman.
0: Yeah. As being an Oklahoma fan, no, you're not you shouldn't be frustrated. You know your team's going to win the Big Twelve and be in playoff contention. It's it's not a big deal.
1: You're you're already conceding the Big Twelve to Oklahoma? I am. Yes. You're not buying Texas.
3: I mean, they'll be okay, but they're not going to be good enough to beat Oklahoma. Oklahoma State's got a pretty good team this year. Bedlam could be weird. Where is that game? don't know if I'm in. Bedlam's always weird, though. That's Th- This should it, be one of... Year in, year team. out,
0: it generates weirdness.
1: I don't know where it is off the top of my head. I was trying to think back to last year. For some reason, I think it's in Stillwater, but I will not swear to
0: it. Only I had a device...
1: Iowa State Athletic Director Jamie Pollard stated that he and the university, quote, fully anticipate playing. Okay, I was wrong. And a 50 50 shot. Fully anticipate playing football this fall. Says, as of today, we fully anticipate playing football in Jack Trice Stadium on September 5. How will they determine who gets in? Half capacity. Planning as though the capacity of our stadium will be limited to 30,000 spectators. As of today, approximately 22,000 season tickets have been renewed. Not purchased, but renewed. That leaves us approximately 8,000 seats to be filled. Because we need to make plans to accommodate those fans who will be allowed into the stadium, we have decided to implement the following. Any fan who does not renew their season tickets and make their uh, Cyclone Club donation by June 12th will not be provided the opportunity to attend any games this fall unless it is later decided that we can safely exceed the 50% capacity restriction. Number one. Number two. The only fans who will have the opportunity to be in the stadium this fall are those who renew their season tickets and their required donation by June 12th. If you have not done so, please contact us as soon as possible. Number three, because we expect to reach the 50% capacity limitation through season ticket sales, we do not anticipate selling single-game tickets unless the capacity limits are raised. Number four, any season ticket holder that does not renew their season ticket this year will still have first rights for their same seats for 2021. We believe it's important to honor prior loyalty as some fans may not be comfortable this year. And number five, any season ticket holder who renews their tickets, but later decides they are not comfortable May request a refund of their season ticket purchase, or defer their their purchase to the 2021 season. No mention of students in this.
3: They might get the shaft here. You think? Well, like at Ole Miss, are students technically season ticket holders? Not like in the traditional sense, but like how would I wonder if that happened here? How that would be?
1: I mean, yeah, Ole Miss. They allot X number of tickets every year for students, and that is only they're not available on a game by game basis. It's a season ticket. So I don't know how that would uh, I don't know how that'll operate. Doesn't sound like there's making they're making an allocation for students here though. Sports Talk Mississippi at your college football fix.
0: A Super Talk Mississippi <laughs> media production.